Thanks for coming to our home in Irvine, California for Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We're glad to have you and your friends in our growing community of soul shepherds. We love hearing from you by email, social media, and on soulshepherding.org. Today, we're going to answer a question on empathy that one of you have sent us. Even though empathy is not a word in the Bible, it's everywhere in our sacred book and in the Lord's relationship with us. Tender-hearted care is an essential soul nutrient for you and the people you minister to. We're recently back from leading one of our five-day TLC retreats with 15 soul shepherds in a circle. Yeah, I am so excited we get to do that, honey. It's, it's really the best thing we do. We just see such an incredible experience of intimacy with God and authentic community. It really gives us all a, a deep imprint yes. of what it's like to be in a community mm-hmm. of disciples of Jesus who are emotionally safe. Yeah. And all of us helping each other to press in closer to the Son of God who shines with the radiance of God's glory and is the most exalted member of our community. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a great week and just so thankful that we get to do that. Thankful for our friends, Joan and Steve, that hosted TLC here in South Orange County, California. Bless their heart. They've hosted like four or five Retreats in their home this year. Yeah, this year alone. Yeah, just such a blessing. So if you're a Soul Shepherd listening to us, we would love to have you uh, inquire about TLC. Yes. If you do the full program, it's a two-year immersion in being with Jesus to become like him. And we cover spiritual formation, which is apprenticeship to Jesus in the kingdom of God. And then our second week is on spiritual and psychological development. Then we do soul care ministry. And finally, spiritual leadership. And each week is, uh, it's not like a conference or a bunch of seminars. It's a a lot more like uh, being in a home together and doing life with Jesus together. And we sit in a circle for sessions of conversational learning. We do lots of spiritual practices together, different ways of praying the scripture. Uh, We have what we call TLC time every day, five hours of time to rest, to pray, to pursue the Lord who's pursuing us. Uh, we give everyone spiritual direction. We have meals together, delicious, healthy food. And it's, it's five days, and we do it five days on purpose because we want to be totally unplugged from the normal life and responsibilities and work and ministry and just really seek to love Christ. That's yeah, TLC. That's right. And it's just such, it's so fun to see the way the community forms and people just feels so loved and feels so much love for each other. And it's funny the things you mentioned, but I'm thinking of some of the desserts we have. We have <laughs> now we have, you're talking. We have okay. Delicious desserts, but, yeah. but also the desserts of things like the, the ministry experiences that we, we lead and we do. And of course, you and I are participant leaders. So even as we're leading, we're receiving in those experiences and just love those so much. And then the, Devotional classic readings we do together every morning at breakfast. The morning just, soul food. Yeah, all yeah, this stuff is just, a soul feast when we... Yeah, it is a feast. It's just arousing, t- tapping into that hunger for God, and then it gets filled. And so, yeah. We all long to talk about the deep things of life, you know, our longings for God and the stresses and difficulties that we're having and to know that we're in a safe place and... We're together, we're learning how to be with Jesus as we do all that we do and how to become like him, how to become more loving, have more empathy and compassion, more gentle wisdom. Yeah. 
And then it's always so fun to share at the end of the week, you know, what God's been doing and to celebrate that yeah. as well. And oh, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. So today on Soul Talks, we are talking about boundaries for tender hearts. Yes. Because a, a, actually a pastor who went through one of our TLCs, she asked a question after we had our podcast on emotional cutoffs hurt. Mm-hmm. She asked this question. She said, I'm wondering, Christy, how you carry your tender heart into relationships that are not so safe. And then she says, I also am wondering if after you were able to let go of the incident that you shared with Bill that was hard for you, was there some action that you knew you needed to take as a follow-up? Mm-hmm. So she asked this question. I'm so glad you did, Vicki. And we just love getting your questions because when you give us questions, it gets us to know, you know, what you're wanting from us. And we want this to be a res- responsive community. This is a conversation. Two-way with, conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's not just you and I, Bill, but it's it's our friends listening to us, too. We imagine your faces. So, so many of you we know personally. All of you yeah. we wish, wish we knew personally. Yeah. So, Vicki, this is such a great question. How do you carry your tender heart into relationships that are not safe? I mean, that's... That's really wise to be asking that question because the reality is there are relationships that aren't safe. We all have them. We all have experienced people that when we're vulnerable with, they take advantage of that. And we do need to be careful, especially us who have very tender hearts, um, who, we, who we open those to. Is it somebody who is going to be safe? And, is, and also the timing of when you do that is important, too. Because even somebody that's safe, if you, if you come to them with the tenderness of your heart and vulnerability in a time when maybe they're rushed or their you know relational centers are turned off, you know, it's not a wise. It's just not wise. <laughs> yeah, let's talk more about what are the characteristics of a safe person. So yeah. you're you're identifying some right here. Well, yeah. they would be unhurried, mm-hmm. and they would be emotionally available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they would be somebody who has some sense of their own emotional awareness, too, Mm. and their own vulnerability. So if somebody can be vulnerable in their own self-disclosure and talk about their hurt, their needs, their problems, that would be a positive indicator. Yeah. Maybe I could could be vulnerable, too, and and they would be gracious with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they know what it's like to be hurt. But then sometimes people that are self-disclosing are, like, really needy in sort of an insecure sort of mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and a dumping of their stuff on other people right. way. In, in other words, they're not really taking responsibility That's right. f- for their own life and feelings mm-hmm. and struggles. And so they have this way of coming on people and just sort of putting all their, their stuff on them with, mm-hmm. with expectation mm-hmm. that's implicit. Yeah. And that, that would not be a safe person. No. No, it wouldn't, because they they don't really have anything to give you. They're they're just needing. They're needy, and they're not acknowledging their need. They're not taking responsibility for their need. Well, that's a finely tuned connection there, because we're all, mm-hmm. in one sense, needy, mm-hmm. and we don't want anyone to feel like judged or bad about having needs. That's a main mm-hmm. message we have in Soul Talks. But mm-hmm. if if we have this sense of not taking ownership of mm-hmm. our needs, not being responsible for ourself, but communicating an unconscious expectation that other people ought to 
take care of this for me, mm-hmm. then it puts the dump on them. That's right. And that's what we're saying is not safe. No. No. We run away from that. It, it smothers us. It scares us. It, it's a burden for us. So yeah. it's okay to have needs. It's just mm-hmm. not okay to be vomiting on people right. in, a, in a way that, you, you well, you got to clean this up now. Right. That's right. Dumping on them. Yeah. And that's where being aware of your need is your responsibility. We each need to take responsibility for our own need and be aware of it. So I need to take responsibility for my tender heart, my vulnerability and the need that I have uh, and not put that on another person. And then if I'm coming to them to ask something, to ask for them to listen to me or them to empathize with me or to understand, then, you know, coming with that respect of the, do you have this to give? Will you listen? Or if if I know they're a safe person and they're offering that, Mm-hmm. then I can receive that. But what you're talking about here, Bill, is it's really helpful. I mean, a safe person is somebody that you can both trust and be vulnerable and feel safe with, but also you have some respect for them. Mm. They have some capacity. Yeah. Some capacity mm-hmm. of, of emotional presence and, and caring. They have some strength of character to, to absorb some stress and distress without collapsing into a puddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually one of those things that makes me respect them is I know they're somebody that knows pain. Mm. They've lived, they've survived pain. They, so they have some empathy because they have suffered and they have felt the emotional pain. They have been hurt and they've received care and love and healing. Yeah. The more somebody has been in a process on a journey themselves, Mm -hmm. maybe it's a 12 step group. Maybe it's a small group experience where it's very vulnerable and authentic. Maybe they've been in therapy, mm-hmm. uh, this kind of thing. But they, yeah. they're on a you know experiential, relational process of working through their issues and their hurts and receiving grace for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that those would be good indicators of someone that might be safe. Yes. Now, something else would be well, someone that's not quick to give advice because mm-hmm. if. People that are in their heads and they've got answers, we don't feel safe around them. No, we don't because we we feel like they're trying to fix us. They're they're really not interested in being with us in our pain or empathizing or caring. And they're really not being very gentle with our tender heart. They're just trying to patch it up. They're just trying to wrap it up, bind it up and and so that they can walk away and not feel guilty and feel good about that they just fixed you. Yeah, of course, sometimes advice is well-intentioned. You know, the person giving it really, at least consciously, wants to be helpful and, you know, thinks it'll be encouraging and just doesn't realize that they're shutting down the emotions and needs of the other person. Yeah, but when we're hurting, it's really hard to care what somebody else knows if we don't, like they, if we don't know that they really care. I don't care what you know if I don't know that you care. If I yeah. know that you care, then I'm going to be open to what you know that might be helpful to me. I relate to that. I'm recalling a conversation I had with a Christian leader seeking some consultation and support in the leading of our ministry and really appreciated his time. And in one sense, he was very caring because he gave me time and listened and asked questions and was really trying to be helpful. But he just he was not giving me empathy or compassion or uh, a tender heart or warmth or gentleness or affirmation, all these soul shepherding qualities of the heart, they were just a little bit present around the edges or sometimes just didn't feel like it was there. And so it was, I just was kind of 
holding on to my chair. As I was. You didn't feel safe. Yeah, because it's like I'm sharing my my life. It's like soul shepherding. I put my whole life into this. We've put our whole lives into this ministry and starting something from nothing and developing a, a new way of doing ministry to pastors and leaders that's very organic and relational and taking what we do as therapists and spiritual directors and putting it into a pastoral context. And we're having some wonderful opportunities and challenges, and so seeking that support. But then and we've been doing this with lots of leaders the last uh, year and a half or so. So I just really feel for the tenderhearted person because mm-hmm. increasingly I put myself in that category. I didn't yeah. used to think of myself that way, but as I've gotten over the years with mostly your uh-huh. help, Christy, yeah. more aware of my emotions, it was it was tough to hear all that advice and, mm-hmm. and so many pointed questions that it mm-hmm. wasn't in the context of this soft, gentle listening mm-hmm. and drawing out of my feelings. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sad for you. He he wasn't able at all to recognize that this was very vulnerable for you to ask for help. And so I was sad for you about that, and you didn't feel safe in response. And so that's that's one of the things her question is asking, is that, you know, when you when you are with somebody who isn't, safe for your your heart what what do you do to protect that you obviously can't bring the fullness of that vulnerability in a situation like that with somebody who isn't safe and isn't really wanting to empathize with you and so i think understanding that is really healthy and i'm glad she's able to articulate that and understand that but it doesn't mean you shut down and protect that vulnerability from everybody and don't trust anybody with it we don't go to the all or nothing Right. So what I did was, is in the course of this two-hour conversation, I really, as I said, braced myself and just kind of held onto my chair there because I wanted to, I wanted to hear what he had to say. I mean, mm-hmm. I did in this case, yeah. I actually did want his ideas and and his advice. My point, though, is it would have meant so much more had it come in the context of empathy, mm-hmm. compassion, affirmation. More. Then I would have been more open. Yeah. So, but I, I sort of endured that and tried to protect my heart, but I didn't, I didn't totally shut down. I was, I was vulnerable. It was a vulnerable thing to yeah. do. And I was able to do that because I wasn't letting his hardness define me or oppress me. I saw that that was about him. It certainly was affecting me to some extent. It was stressful. It was disappointing. But it, it didn't sink way in to make me feel bad about myself or trembling, you know, in total fear or just needing to get out of the conversation or something. I was able to remain emotionally present, protected. You know, the Lord is, is my shepherd here and he's, he's my refuge. And then the first thing I did after that meeting was I, I talked with you. I talked with a, another friend who's safe and I unpacked, you know, how, how that felt for me and yeah. received that, that empathy and that compassion and of course, I, I did that as best I could without disparaging this brother in Christ who was trying to be helpful to me. And I do appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, honey, what I'm hearing you did is you recognized there was limits there as to how vulnerable you could be. And you lo- you looked to Christ mm-hmm. for safety. And that's yeah. that's something I do all the time. In fact, that's one of the things that I I would respond to Vicky's question and say as well. I, I prayed the breath prayer, Jesus is enough for me. Now you're referring back to when you had your when when I'm with somebody, I'm aware of my tender heart, and I'm with somebody who doesn't feel safe, mm-hmm. then I'll pray that breath prayer. And th- that helps me to remember Jesus is enough for me. This person 
isn't safe for me and that's okay. I don't need to let that shake me. I don't need to be run away and fe- or give in to fear. I can take courage that Jesus is with me. He's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Thou, Lord, are shield around me. Mm-hmm. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. I can mm-hmm. look up to him and, and take comfort in his delight in me and his presence in me, that he's a shield around me, that I don't need to worry that this person isn't safe. I know I don't need to bear the full vulnerability of my tender heart here uh, with him, but I can to Jesus. Yeah, these are beautiful. And I can to a safe person later, like like you just mentioned. Beautiful lines from Psalm 3 and Psalm 18 that we can pray and find our trust in the Lord. And mm-hmm. so it's really helpful the way you're articulating this, Christy. And it's also showing me that, well, it's not like, someone being emotionally safe is all or nothing. It's not like we've only got two categories here. It's not like a light switch that's on or off. It's Mm -hmm. more like a dimmer switch. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is almost totally unsafe, Mm -hmm. like, you know, they're abusive, they're critical, they're mean spirited, or they're just so in their heads or so, so hurried and so gruff. Well, then you probably don't really trust them at all. But most people aren't that unsafe. Mm-hmm. We have people in our life that have degrees of safety. Right. And so that's, in our examples, that's what we're illustrating is how do you share in that friendship something to a certain extent that you can be vulnerable with, yeah. perhaps, or just be in that relationship. Right. And you kind of test it out. You test out the safety. You know, how will they respond if I take this little risk? This so risk. show us. What's that like? What would be an example? Yeah, well, I, I would think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little risk here. I'm going to share something a little vulnerable but not something that's so vulnerable that if they don't respond with empathy or tenderness, that I'm going to be destroyed and it's going to totally, you know, knock me into shame. And then that that can be test how they. And then if I if they respond with some empathy or some safety, you know, it, it was safe to be vulnerable. Then be a little bit more vulnerable next time. And mm-hmm. and so we go slowly into that. If they shut me down or they judge me, then I say, okay, I'm you know, I'm not going to go there again. Um, maybe I'll wait and invite them to be a little vulnerable, see if they take that opportunity. But, you know, if they don't, then I realize, okay, that's somebody I'm going to have some emotional boundaries with. There's going to be limits to this relationship mm-hmm. and limits to the intimacy. Oh, this is a relationship where maybe mostly I'm going to need to, you know, really guard my heart and be careful what I share and what, what I don't. And, and so you learn that. But also timing is a part of this too, Bill, because even though you and I have an emotionally healthy, safe relationship, there are times when I'm not really safe for you to be vulnerable with because I'm in a bad place or vice versa. There's the mm-hmm. times when you're in a bad place and you really, it wouldn't be safe for me to share my vulnerability, come to you in vulnerability. So I need to be able to discern that too and wait for a time. Sometimes we pray before we share mm-hmm. really honestly yeah. and openly with someone just to, for the Lord to prepare our spouse or our friend mm-hmm. to hear what we need to share. Yeah. So I want I want to review what I said in response to Vicky's question here. What do I do to protect my tender heart? Well, I pray. I pray breath prayers. Jesus delights in me. I delight in you, my Lord, remembering that he's the one where I'm really drawing my strength and my sustenance, not letting this person who is unsafe rock my identity or cause me to turn in on myself with shame. So I look to the Lord I let him be a shield around me. I remember 
people that bring me his love, that are safe, that appreciate my tender heart. That's a big thing. The psalmist does this often, remembering ways that God mm-hmm. has met me in the past, Yes, including through people mm-hmm. who have been caring and supportive. Yeah, and that helps, you know, kind of protect my tender heart. It's like, okay, I don't necessarily need to have this person be tender with me. I can find my strength in the Lord here and remember that there are people that are tender, including mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to get it from this person right now. You're illustrating a, a sort of a containment mm-hmm. or a holding, mm-hmm. an emotional holding of your, your feelings and your needs the child part of you That's right. and the Lord's presence. Yes. So, Bill, we teach our children with transitional objects. We we give them a pacifier and a blanket when they're little, mm-hmm. and we would pair that. So I would be comforting, feeding my child, and at the same time, I'd, I'd be pairing that blanket with them so that then when they're not with me and I hand them to the babysitter with their blanket and their pacifier, they have that transitional object to remember my Mm -hmm. nurturing and my love and my comfort. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. These breath prayers, these scriptures, they're transitional objects for me, remembering that I am comforted by God when I'm with somebody who isn't my comfort object, who isn't safe, who isn't able to provide for me comfort that I for my tender heart. We're using God's word like a lifeline to internalize and absorb and metabolize his grace. Mm-hmm. And, yes. we're, and we're using memories of the Christ's ambassadors in our life that God has given us to help us be nourished and bonded to the Lord through people in the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are always gentle with our vulnerabilities with our tender hearts, and that you're the one that strengthens us to still hold on to our identity in you as beloved, as enough in you when we're with people that aren't safe, with people that aren't gentle with our tender hearts. Help us always behold your face, Lord, and find our strength in you. Amen. Lord, maybe there's someone listening that doesn't know how to use Scripture or to breathe a prayer in the way that Christy has just illustrated. We pray, God, that you would teach them how to do that for a deeper bond with you and with safe people. And Lord, we offer to you many tools, resources, devotionals, articles, meditations, and prayers that are on our Soul Shepherding website. Pray that you'd help our listeners to find just the right encouragement to come into that deeper, trusting healing, empowering relationship with you, Lord, and through your special representatives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are delighted to have you following the Lord Jesus with us. He is our true soul shepherd and the source of empathy. Thanks for sharing Soul Talks with your friends. In just the last two months, our community has grown by 50%. It's easy to use the share button on your podcast app or iTunes or email a podcast link from our website, soulshepherding.org. Also, we hope you're receiving our weekly devotional emails and sharing those. They're free and you can sign up at soulshepherding.org.